Jude, and let's just read verse 24 and 25 this morning. It says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God our Saviour be glory, majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. Let's just open with a word of prayer this morning. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity once, to come, once again to come around your word. And we pray this morning you would speak to our hearts through your word, that you teach us and instruct us through it. Lord, we pray that you would empower me through the Holy Spirit this morning. Lord, you give me wisdom and guidance to speak. Lord, everything I say will be your words, will be your thoughts. Lord, you would speak to our hearts through your word this morning. We receive a blessing, a challenge. Refreshing from your word this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We come now this morning to the very end of Jude's epistle. Okay, these are the final two verses here, verses 24 and 25. You know, and in these verses, we have one of the grandest doxologies in the whole of the word of God, in the whole of the New Testament. Now, we have this grand doxology, this grand outbursting of praise unto God. And, you know, really it is a fitting way to end this epistle. Now, we consider that Jude has painted for us a very dark picture of the dangers that we have faced from apostates. You know, he set a, a, a very dark picture before us, a very grim picture of the dangers, of the, the situation that is besetting the church. And, you know, it would be easy for you and I to become discouraged and to become down by this, to look at the situation and to sort of become discouraged by it and think, how on earth can you and I overcome? What hope is there for any of us to resist in the face of such enemies? And in light of this, Jude concludes this epistle by pointing our eyes upward. He finishes it all off by pointing our attention towards God himself. And he breaks forth in praise to the only wise God. The only one who can help us, the only one who can protect us, the only one who is able. In verse 25, Jude expresses this praise to God. Let's just read verse 25 again. It says, To the only wise God, our Saviour, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. He expresses here this praise, and he begins by saying that it's to the only wise God. He identifies who it is that he is praising. Now this expression, the only wise God, highlights for us the wonderful truth that God is the only true and wise God. There is none else. There's no one else like him. He is the only wise God. And not only that, he calls him our Savior. For it's through God and God alone that our salvation is made possible. God's Son is the method of salvation. The Lord Jesus Christ came to provide that way of salvation for you and I. And so he identifies who he's praising, the only wise God, our Savior. What follows in verse 25 is not a prayer, but rather a declaration of praise. This is not a this is a declaration, an outburst of praise. As, he, as we read, he says, Be glory and majesty, dominion and power. You know, these four terms here all describe our God. They're all something about our wonderful God, and he's lifting up God, he's praising God here. You know, glory talks about the sum total of all that God is and all that God does. He says, be glory. 
To ascribe glory to God is to recognize and praise God for his infinite excellencies. He's, he's recognizing who God is, everything about God, and he's praising God. The word majesty here speaks of his greatness or his magnificence. See, only our God is great. Only our God is great. And when we praise him, we are praising the most magnificent person in the universe. He is the magnificent God. Majesty. He's not simply king, he is king of kings. That's what he's talking about here when he says majesty. The word dominion speaks about his son. So he acknowledges God's sovereign rule over everything. God is in complete control over all, complete control over you and I. He is sovereign. And then the word power here speaks of God's authority. This is his right to use power. His right to use power. God has all authority. All authority belongs to God. All authority belongs to our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Even the powers of darkness have to submit to him. Even the devil and his angels have to submit and acknowledge his power, his authority. And yet when you consider those four words, what we have is a grand doxology. It's a wonderful outbursting of praise to our God. You know, the question must be, what is it that causes Jude to break forth in such praise? What is it that causes Jude to, to break forth in such praise here in verse 25? Well, the answer is found in verse 24. You see, in verse 24, Jude tells us there's two glorious reasons why God deserves such praise and such honor. And it's these two reasons I want us to consider this morning. The first reason is that he is able to keep us. He is able to keep us. Look in verse 24. It says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Now Jude begins here in verse 24 by telling us that he is able to keep us from falling. Now we must first of all understand what kind of falling Jude is speaking about here. You know, is Jude speaking about the wonderful truth that God is able to keep us safe, which is a glorious truth? Or is Jude speaking about the fact that God is able to keep us from falling into sin? What type of falling are we talking about here? What, what is the context here? You know, back in verse 1, Jude has already made it clear that we are preserved in Jesus Christ. Just read verse 1 again with me. It says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. He says that we are preserved in Christ. And this is talking about the wonderful fact that we are kept by his power. He is the one who keeps us saved. We can't lose our salvation. We are kept by his power. And so Judah's already spoken about that glorious truth. He's spoken about the fact that we are saved and we are kept and you and I don't have to do anything to stay saved. And you know, knowing that, knowing that Judah's already touched on it in his epistle, we could come to verse 24 and assume that he's talking about the same thing. Read it and assume that that's what he's focusing on here again. That he is again about God's power to keep us saved. You see, that isn't the focus here in this verse. That's not the context of verse 24. You know, in the previous verses, verse 17 and onwards, which we've been looking at, 
Those verses have all been about how you and I are to go about standing in the face of these apostates. How we are to go about standing and combating the false teachers. Now, in particular, we saw that spiritual growth, key, building upon our Christian faith, Christian life. And so the focus in these verses has all been upon falling in the sense of falling into sin, falling in the sense of being led astray by apostates and how we can avoid that. And that's the sense here in verse 24 as well. See, Jude's focus is on the believer's daily walk with the Lord and the danger of going astray and stumbling. And in light of that, he says, God is the only one who can keep us from falling. He breaks forth and he says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, God can do it. God can do it. God and God alone can keep us from falling. You know, in verse 21 Jude had instructed us to keep ourselves in the love of God. Go back to verse 21 there. It says, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Now, when we looked at verse 21, we saw that this is talking about our responsibility to seek to walk in the light of his love. Now, we said it's like someone who's been told to get a lot of sunshine. They stay in the sunshine, not in the shadows. It's the same with us. We have to stay in the light of his love, in the place where his love is shining, so we experience things of his love. And so we are told to keep ourselves in the light of his love, and we do that by walking in obedience to his word, to his will. We saw that from the book of John, where Christ himself tells us that's how we walk or abide in his love. And so what I'm saying is that verse 21 is talking about our part in all this. It's talking about what we need to do. You know, that we are to focus on our relationship with him. We are to seek to walk in the light of his love. Verse 24 highlights for you and I God's part. It highlights God's part in all this. You see, Jude here assures us that God is able to keep us from falling into the sins and the false doctrine of the apostates. God can keep us from falling. You know what we have is a reminder here that in the facing of temptation, we must not rely upon ourselves. You know, in the facing of temptation, in the facing of, of sin, you and I must not rely upon ourselves to keep ourselves from falling. It doesn't say that in verse 21. It doesn't say keep yourselves from falling because we can't do it. And the reality is the more we try, the more we fail. We can't keep ourselves from falling. You see, it's only through our God, the only wise God, that you and I can have the strength to stand. Only through Him. He and He alone is able to keep us from falling. We have to do our part, which is verse 21 and verse 20 as well, keep ourselves in the love of God, and then God will do His part, keep us from falling. You know, it's interesting here, these two words translated keep in verse 21 and 24 are actually two different Greek, Greek words, each having a slightly different emphasis. The word used in verse 21 means to have watchful care, to take watchful care. The word used in verse 24 means to stand guard or to protect. Two slightly different words. The second one is a more forceful, a stronger word. 
And so when you put the two thoughts together, when you put verse 21 and verse 24 together, your thought here is that the believer's duty is to take watchful care over our relationship with the Lord, take watchful care that we walk in the light of His love, and it's God's responsibility to protect us. It's God's responsibility to guard us from falling, guard us in. See, God is able to keep us or to guard us from falling. The word translated falling here means without stumbling. To keep us from stumbling in the sin. As we go along the road of life, you know, and there's those roadblocks along the way, there's those temptations along the way, God and God alone can help us, keep us from falling, from stumbling into sin. You know, God's grace, God's strength is available for all of us as believers if we will only draw upon it. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. Starting verse 12, it says, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way, of, way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. You see, in First Corinthians we're told wonderfully that God will always provide a way of escape. God will always provide a way of escape. He is able to keep us from falling. You see, you and I must walk in a right relationship with Him, keep our eyes on Him, focused on Him, walk in the light of His love, and then we need to take the way of escape that He provides. Take the way of escape that He gives to us. You know, this is not a new concept that we only find in the New Testament. You know, God's Word has always taught us this truth of keeping our hearts right before Him, and then God will protect us. Now, the psalmist David, he understood this. When he wrote in Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You see, David understood that as he's walking with the Lord, as he's walking in fellowship with the Lord, he doesn't have anything to fear. Because he's walking in the light of God's love. And God then will protect him. God will keep him. God will keep him from falling. God will guard him. Now likewise, in Proverbs, we have declared this this secret to victory long before Jude wrote anything about it. In Proverbs chapter 3, let's go to Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 19. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 19. It says, The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth, by understanding hath established the heavens. By his knowledge the depths are broken up. Then the clouds drop down the dew. My son, let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So shall they be life unto thy soul and grace to thy neck. Then shalt thou walk in thy way safely, and thy foot shall not stumble. Now in Proverbs we are told that when it is our life purpose to seek the wisdom of God and to be guarded guided sorry, by the understanding and knowledge of God's wisdom, that's talking about walking in the light of God's love, when it is our life, uh, purpose to walk in the light of God's love, He promises that we shall walk in safety and our foot shall not stumble. It's the exact same truth as what Jude tells us. 
when you're walking in fellowship with the Lord, God will keep us from stumbling. See, this really is the secret to the victorious Christian life. Keep our eyes upon Him and let God do the guarding. Let God do the protecting. You know, so often, as believers, we get caught up trying to do God's part, don't we? We get caught up trying to do God's part. We, we're trying to keep ourselves from stumbling. You know, so we're doing all these things. We're doing all these things to avoid this temptation, to avoid this sin. We're focusing on the sin, aren't we? We're focusing on the temptation and we're doing all we can to avoid it, all we can to stumble. There's a big problem in that, isn't it? It's all we can do, all we can to overcome. And so we try our best, we try our hardest to guard ourselves from that sin, from that temptation. And what do we find? We find that we fall into it time and time again. We keep failing because the reality is we can't guard ourselves from sin. We can't keep ourselves from falling. Now, that's why so many Christians live a defeated Christian life because their focus is not on the Lord, their focus is on the sin. Their focus is not on the Lord, their focus is on trying to overcome and overcome that sin to stop from falling. They're trying to keep themselves. Christians aren't living a defeated Christian life because God isn't able to keep them from falling, but rather because they are trying to do it on their own instead of letting God do the work. You see, you and I must understand that our part is to focus on our relationship with Him. Our part is to walk in the light of God's love, to keep our eyes on Him, seek to get to know Him better each day, seek to get to know Him through His Word. That's what verse 20 in Jude talks about, isn't it? Let's go there. Back to Jude again. Verse 20, which we looked at a couple of messages ago, it says, But ye, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, the Word of God, praying in the Holy Ghost. So you and I need to be in the Word, in prayer, so we might keep ourselves in the love of God, so that God then can do the protecting. God then can keep us from falling. Our responsibility is to focus on our relationship with Him, getting to know God better. And then let the Spirit transform us. Let the Spirit change us. Let the Spirit enable us to overcome. Let God keep us from falling. You know, Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 says the exact same thing, doesn't it? Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. It's the exact same truth. What are we to do? Walk in the Spirit, concentrate on walking with Him. And then we won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. It doesn't say focus on the sin. It says, focus on God. Walk in the spirits. First John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5, it says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Again, it's the same truth. We overcome by faith in him, by trusting in him, focusing on him. Then he gives us the victory. In all these passages, we have this same wonderful, glorious truth declared that God is able to keep us from falling. We have the secret to the victorious Christian life. This really is the secret. And if you and I can grasp this, if we can understand this, then we will indeed have the victory. If we'll stop focusing on the sin, stop trying to do it ourselves and get our eyes on Him. Focus on getting to know God. 
and let God keep us from falling. He is able to keep us from falling. Secondly, here we're told that He is able to present us. He is able to present us. Look in verse 24 again. It says, Now unto Him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. Hugh goes on now to tell us that not only is our God, our Saviour, able to keep us from falling, but He's also able to present us faultless before His presence. You know, Jude has described for us the work that God is doing now. That's Him keeping us from falling. That's what God is doing in our lives now. That's the work He wants to do with us. And now, if you like, He describes the end, the end of the road. He describes the work that God wants to do in the future, the future day of glorification. You see, it's like Jude transports us now to the end of the road. He's talked about what God's doing now, and now he transports us to the end of the road, to glory in heaven. He says that God is able to present us faultless before his presence. Glorification. We will be glorified. Now, the word translated present here is an aorist infinitive, and it means to make you stand. To make you stand. It looks forward to the day when you and I will stand transformed and approved before the judgment seat of Christ. We will stand before Him. In that day, we will stand, it says, faultless. It says He will present us or cause us to stand faultless. The word faultless here means without blemish. Without blemish. Those of us who are saved on that glorious day will stand before him clean. Standing in righteousness without blemish. You know, Jude here is echoing the words of the Apostle Paul. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 26 says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of, the, of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. You know, both Jude and in Ephesians, it talks about the fact that this is his goal. This is what he's looking forward to. This is what God's looking forward to. The day when he'll present us Spotless, a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. He saved you and I to be his glorious bride without spot or wrinkle, without blemish, holy and pure him. And both these passages, both Ephesians and in Jude, both passages describe the fulfillment of Christ's own words in John chapter 17. Turn to John 17 if you would. John chapter 17 and verse 24. John 17 and verse 24, it says, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Now in John 17, Christ says that his desire was that we be with him and we behold his glory. And that day is coming. That day is coming when you and I will stand before him without blemish in his presence, in his presence presence of his glory we will behold 
his glory and we will be with him where he is. Now in our verse in Jude it says that he will present us faultless before the presence of his glory. These words in the Greek are one word, a compound word. And they essentially mean down in the eye of or in the immediate sight of. So the sense is that we will stand in the immediate sight of God's glory. In the immediate sight of his glory. Speaking about all that he is, all of his divine glory, God will be there and you and I will stand in the immediate sight of God's glory. Think about that for a second. Think about this, this, this wonderful, glorious truth. You and I are going to stand before him in his very presence. The presence of his glory. And the whole reason you and I will be able to stand before him and remain in his presence is because we will be faultless. We will be without blemish. If we weren't, we would have no right to stand there. This, of course, this word blemish here is a, you know, a familiar term, isn't it? We look at the Old Testament and we see this all the time, talking about sacrifices. Talking about the fact that they were without blemish, without spot, without defect. And so they were acceptable in the eyes of God. It's the same term that's used talking about our Saviour in 1 Peter 1, verse 19, where it says, But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb, without blemish, without spots. See, our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the perfect, sinless Lamb. And it's because of His perfect sacrifice, His perfect redemption, that you and I on that day will likewise stand faultless before Him. Go to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we, what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Indeed, on that day when we stand before him, we will be like him. We will be without spot, without blemish. We will be faultless as Christ is. You see, you and I will receive a new and glorified body. A new and glorified body and we will be able to stand before him. All our stains, all our imperfections will be gone. Not even Satan will be able to accuse the brethren. Because we will be holy as he is holy. You know, Jude describes this day as being a day of exceeding joy. He says at the end of verse 24 there. A day of exceeding joy. You know, this word translated exceeding joy speaks of exultant jubilation over an accomplished act. Exultant jubilation. There will be great rejoicing on that day. There will be great rejoicing on that day as you and I stand before him. Because of God's finished work he is able to present us faultless he is able to glorify us we will receive a new and glorified body indeed as we consider that it's not hard for you and i to understand why there will be exceeding joy on that day it's not hard for us to understand all of our problems all of our temptations in this life will be gone i don't know about you but that is a glorious thing that's something to look forward to. 
that all the problems will be gone. All the temptation of this life will be gone. What a glorious day that will be. You know, it won't just be a day of rejoicing for us. It will be a day of rejoicing for God himself and for our Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. Go to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. Verse 2 says, he, uh, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Why Christ go to the cross? He endured it, looking forward to the joy that was before him. Looking forward to the day when he would present his bride, the church, before God in the presence of his glory, spotless, without blemish. This was the joy that was set before our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, on that glorious day when we stand in, in His presence, He shall see the travail of His soul and shall be satisfied. Isaiah 53 verse 11 tells us that. He shall see the travail of His soul and shall be satisfied. Indeed, what a wonderful day that will be when we see Christ. When you and I stand faultless before him, clothed in his righteousness. And beloved, this is what's waiting for us at the end of the race. This is what we are to keep our focus on. This is what we're looking forward to. This is what we're running this race towards. The prize at the end. It's with our eyes firmly set upon this glorious day that you and I are to run the race faithfully. It's because of this joy, this hope, that we are to seek to live in holy lives even now. 1 John 3, 3 tells us that. It says, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. The hope of being transformed in his very image. To be like Christ. To have a glorified body. To be without blemish and stand before him. Now it's not hard for you and I to understand why Jude broke forth in such praise in verse 25 when he considered these two truths. You see, Jude understood that although the threat of the apostates is very real, is a very present danger, Jude understood that our God is greater. Our God is greater. Our God is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before his presence. Now, we have to do our bit, yes. We have to keep ourselves in the love of God. Walk in fellowship with Him. Walk in a right relationship with Him. Walk in His will. But God does the rest. He will protect us. He will keep us from falling and present us faultless before His presence one day. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank You so much, Lord, for Your Word. Indeed, Lord, as we consider these two glorious truths, that you are able to keep us from falling and present us faultless before your presence. Lord, as we consider these truths like Jew, we, we break forth in praise unto you. Lord, we thank you so much for everything you do in our lives each and every day and what you will do in the future. And Lord, I pray that you'd help each of us to understand this wonderful, glorious truth, Lord, that the victorious Christian life is obtained by just focusing on you and that you will keep us from falling. May we live each day looking forward to that day when we will stand faultless before you. 
may we look forward to that hope and may it drive us forward, enabling us to keep ourselves pure as we seek to live for you. We're blessed now as we close in Jesus' name. as we close this morning. But we turn to 100.